Welcome to Gen I Pod, a podcast where we get to have conversations that inspire you. We set up Gen I in 2019, but we started planning it in 2017. Gen I has been a collaborative effort and forms part of I India Education. This has been one of those projects that's been positive from the beginning, and it's brought together a diverse group of amazing and inspirational people. I look forward to introducing you to many of them during this podcast. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Belts, ophthalmologist, educator, and enthusiast. I grew up with a huge respect for my dad, who is a GP, and with the absolute knowledge that I could do whatever I wanted with my life. I'm thankful to my dad and to my mum, who as a feminist and an educator, taught me to always find a way. I wanted to be an ophthalmologist when I was in primary school. I'm lucky to be one, and I'm grateful every day to get to work in this amazing profession. I did med school in Tassie, then moved to Melbourne to pursue my dream. After ophthalmology training, I did two fellowships in cornea, right at a revolutionary time for that subspecialty. I'm forever grateful to my mentors, Professors Rasik Vajpayee and Massimo Busan, for teaching me the skills to do these surgeries back when they were still figuring them out for themselves, but more importantly for teaching me what it takes to be an excellent surgeon. They showed me that technical skills are important, but also that it's the decisions, the planning and the way that we think that leads to better outcomes. It's about who we are, what we believe, taking responsibility, the decisions we make, how we innovate and how we communicate those decisions and innovations to our patients and colleagues. My professors taught me to never be satisfied with the status quo, to strive to improve, to never give up. Like my mum, they find a way. Whilst I continue to work hard in the field of corneal transplantation, and I continue to be mentored by those two professors, As Director of Training for the Victorian branch of the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Ophthalmologists, a lot of my focus has shifted to teaching cataract surgery. We don't need to wait to learn these skills that I'm talking about. If we can encourage high performance from the beginning and train our future surgeons in all of these aspects of high performance, then their innovations will astound us. Patients will benefit and hopefully these young surgeons will have more satisfying and enriching careers. Through GenI, we aim to encourage a new generation of ophthalmologists. It's not about age, level or experience or name, but more about mindset, attitudes and performance. We want to collaborate in order to encourage excellence and high performance. We want to learn in new and innovative ways. GenI is a philosophy and we've realised that it's not just the trainees that are interested in this. Our conference in 2019 was super successful. Run in Melbourne in collaboration with iIndia Education we delivered the first virtual reality-based training program to integrate mind and technical skills for experienced consultants and cataract surgeons that we know of. Our focus was on anterior vitrectomy, an area that we all need to upskill in frequently. We had a mind lab through which participants explored what it takes to be an excellent surgeon. We had a fluidics lab where we figured out and thought about modern fluidics of anterior vitrectomy. We had a dry lab to work on anterior vitrectomy for the experienced surgeons and microscope use and suturing with O-nylon for the inexperienced. Excitingly, consultants and trainees practiced anterior vitrectomy through virtual reality and pre-vocational attendees learned microsurgical skills and intraocular navigation of surgical instruments. We had strong learning objectives, peer-to-peer learning, briefing and debriefing, and really tried to set this conference apart as a modern and progressive way to learn. We had small groups rotating through all of those stations all morning. In the afternoon of our 2019 conference, we shifted focus. Gen I is as much about health and well-being as it is about surgical performance. We believe these factors cannot be separated. You can't have one without the other. We all know that well-being is important, but notoriously we do not always practice it well. 
During the afternoon, we ran an expo-style event where attendees could rotate through stations of their choice. We had dedicated practice in the dry lab, in virtual reality, or using a 3D visualisation system. We had a tech station, being virtual reality gaming, with the intention being to have fun, but also to spark ideas and conversations relating to technology. We had clinical physiotherapists from Fitwise Physiotherapy with a reformer and other equipment to teach us exercises to look after our bodies. And we had an industrial physiotherapist from Safe Work Practice teaching us about slit lamp and computer-related ergonomics. One of the great successes of 2019 was our collaboration with Jo Mitchell and her team from The Mind Room. Jo is a clinical psychologist with significant interest and experience in high performance. We've been able to adapt a lot of Jo's knowledge from sports and other high performance areas to surgery, and her team has become an important part of our education program for registrars. The Mind Room took us through two meditations at Gen I, one on focus and one on mindfulness. It was interesting to see us all slowing down and taking time to consider these important aspects that we're all quite good at applying during surgery, but could probably apply better at other times. Gen I 2019 was so successful. We were almost at capacity. People seemed to have a good time and feedback was excellent. We will use much of that feedback to continue to improve and expand in the future. One unexpected outcome of Gen I 2019 was the part of Gen I that we've become most proud of. This was development of a community. The faculty of Gen I were chosen for their mindsets and skills rather than their level of experience or reputation. They put everything into this event. I can't thank them enough. Bernardo Suarez, Mohamed El Narawi, Daniel Buck, Evo Ferreira, Marshall Dial, Rahul Chakrabarti, and Diane Webster created Gen I. They are Gen I, and so are you. Gen I 2020 will not take place due to COVID 19. These are difficult times, and we are all by now accustomed to cancellations and interruptions. We had a great event planned, with the focus continuing to be on advancement of surgical practice, as well as mindset and skills required to perform surgery at a high level. A major skill to be acquired prior to independent cataract surgical practice is the ability to change a surgeon's own technique, try new things or innovate to advance techniques and outcomes for our patients. As surgery is an unforgiving environment and patient safety is at all times our main concern, it can become tempting for surgeons to stick with tried and true methods. Sometimes that's even the most appropriate approach. At GenI 2020, we were going to explore issues relating to adoption of new and advanced techniques or technologies and to figure out some solutions. We've created what we believe to be a safe, innovative and modern collaborative learning environment in which trainees and consultants can come to discuss challenges and to work on their techniques without risk of adverse reactions, judgment or regrets. Since we can't do it in person, we'll do it online. Adaptation is what we're about anyway. The surgical techniques that we were going to use to explore our concepts for 2020 were FACO chop, IOL exchange, insertion of a three-piece IOL, and operating under topical anesthesia. These are skills and techniques that we believe to be important and that attendees of Gen I 2019 and others have raised as areas of interest. Whilst the actual training in these techniques will be important, we believe that the underlying psychology and training techniques are essential to help us expand our learning across many areas of our practice. This year, we've decided to convey our messages through this podcast series, as well as some short videos. We're also developing a return to surgery program for all of us that will now take an enforced break from what we do. We're into short, snackable content, so we promise you won't get bored. Please subscribe so that you don't miss our episodes and keep an eye on our Instagram at GenISurgical. Our website, geni.org.au, will also be updated, so have a look when you can. At GenI, we believe that we need to take care of ourselves and of each other in order to take care of our patients. 
That is more important right now than it ever has been before, so please take care. Throughout the next episodes, we will explore some of the core values of GenEye and how these relate to the delivery of modern and excellent ophthalmic surgical practice. I look forward to introducing you to all of the most important members of our team. You'll love them. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being GenEye and please be careful. I'm here now virtually with Dr. Evo Ferreira. Evo is a good friend of mine and an amazing educator. He was our international faculty member for GenEye 2019 and he brought with him so much knowledge, experience and enthusiasm. Evo's been with us from the start and we love having him as part of the team. Evo, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It's an honour to be here with you, Jackie. Could you tell me about yourself professionally and personally? Uh, well, yeah, I'm uh, 38 years old, married uh, with one uh, lovely girl and another girl coming in the way. Uh, I'm originally from a small country in South America called Uruguay and now living in Mexico City. I had to come to this country to become a cataract surgeon and I have been living here for the last six years. I work in a very big institution called Conde de Valenciana in where I have the honor to teach young residents and fellows twice uh, a week. And also I'm involved in virtual simulation and I spend a lot of time with a virtual simulator uh, in a private institution. Thanks, Evo. I love your story. Thanks for sharing it with us. You're such an experienced ophthalmic educator and what you do is amazing. Can you tell us a bit about Ophthalmic Universita and especially about the virtual classroom that you've been running during the pandemic? Um, well, yeah, as I told you, you know, in my story, I got to, and they didn't teach me FACO in my country. I really was motivated to learn. So when I came to do a fellowship, it was an amazing experience. It was in one year, I did about 1,000 cataract surgeries. Maybe that's normal for you guys in Australia, but in the rest of the world, that's not very usual. So since I was older, I think I was more, you know, um, paying attention of the process. I was getting and gathering information. So I was a little more mature. I really liked the process of uh, learning. And I, I took it uh, as a learning experience. So I, I was, you know, looking into the details, into w what was going on in my mind when I was, you know, um, getting knowledge and experience. I was asking the questions that maybe nobody does. So I think that gave me, you know, the a different perspective of FACO. So that's why I tried to, when I, when I finish, uh, I try to, to apply that in everyday teaching. I try to, uh, I have these three pillars that I call every time I'm teaching. And I'm not only teaching fine motor skills, but cognitive skills and mindset skills. I think a surgeon needs to be, you know, very complete in what they do. And I also had the opportunity when I was doing my fellowship to have a, a virtual reality simulator, one of the first in Latin America. And I always, again, you know, with this different mindset, trying to, instead of saying if this is realistic or not, uh, always with the question of what can I learn from this machine? And I, I, I fall in love with, um, with, with virtual simulation, not only because of the machine, but from the experience. You know, I love, I love to take away uh, the OR environment, to take out the patient 
from the equation. So, you know, you can communicate better with students. You can also repeat tasks. You can have a also a more cognitive approach of tasks about decision-making, problem-solving. So, so that's me. You, you know me, right, Jackie? You know, with, with this new perspective. And I think we share this perspective a lot. We certainly do, Evo, but the way you explain it is really inspiring. Thank you for that. And what about the the website and the podcast and the virtual classroom? Can you touch on that? Oh, yeah. Well, that that's the passion of my life. You know, uh, sometimes people ask me, where did I get this energy to, to, you know, we are right now in quarantine in Mexico, but I'm working 16 hours a, a day, but I'm so happy to do it. Because it's my true passion, and mostly I think it's 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 to build a community. I think we, as cataract surgeons and doctors, we spend our t- entire careers, you know, competing from from uh, from grades, and I want to get into this position, and you are my, com- you know, we're competing. But but when we when we become a surgeon, I think the best thing to do is to to be part of a community to share. To share without expecting anything in return. So uh, that became the passion of my life. I started three years ago with a little website, doing some podcast to people, and I, uh, you know, I, I, I understood that I was learning so much from people that will be open. They will share knowledge. They will share their experiences, and I was the one who who, who was learning the most and. And I congratulate you, Jackie, for this amazing idea of having your own podcast with the Genie group that it's doing amazing things. And basically, this is connecting us. You know, I, I have, I'm having such an amazing experience now connecting with people from all over the world. Like my, my, my concerns now are like, okay, what time is in Australia right now? Maybe Jackie. It's sleeping, you know, and I want to text her and see if she wants to do a webinar with me next week. So um, I think technology can be uh, an amazing tool for us. I'm all over doing a community, an open community, where people who really want, they have something to share, they can share it with no politics, no economic issues behind that. And, and no friendships, you know, I invite you because I want you to come to my meeting. And next. I think we can really make a revolution in how uh, medicine is communicated and learned. So uh, I'm really happy that, you know, th- th- this is working. People are understanding the idea, the, the, the principle behind everything. Amazing, Evo, and some really good points there. On that point of community, you came halfway around the world for Genai last year and it wouldn't have been the same without you. What did you think of it and what do you think is different about Genai compared to some of the other events that you've taken part in? Well, Genai was uh, was awesome. It was completely a great idea. I, I was so happy to know that, you know, in the other side of, of planet Earth, there's people with the same motivation and the same uh, knowledge and the same energy to to share. I really liked uh, the experience. Um, I really liked the structure. I really liked um, the way you guys, you know, um, it was a, the perfect setup. We were with colleagues 
and I'm going to talk about my my station that was oh man it was it was amazing, but everything uh, had a had a point right. Um, every station will be specifically done in a way that you will share uh, some skills. We will have virtual simulation with a specific task. We will have artificial eyes. We will have the gaming, and because it's related also to to motor skills, we will have the mindfulness station about how to train the mind. And and also, you know me, I'm all about training the mind. I had the the honor to to have the FACO Mind Lab that I'm working for two years now, and and really you know, dig deep in how we can prepare mentally to be in this peak performance level in the moment we are doing surgery, but also what happens with us when we finish surgery, when we prepare for the next day of surgery, right? When we have complications. So I think uh, Gen I was probably one of the best cataract courses I, I have ever been. Evo, thanks so much for those comments and thanks especially for joining me on this podcast. Your perspectives are always amazing and your experience and enthusiasm for education is really unmatched. You're so far ahead in teaching these skills and it's always a pleasure to speak to you. You should know too, you can text me at any time. I have my notifications turned off and I don't mind waking up to lots of ideas about education. (laughs) Thanks, Evo. No, no. Thank you, Jackie. We, you know, we share this passion. I know we do. Uh, and this is not, uh, this is a journey. I'm, I, I have, I'm, I have so much to learn. I'm always, you know, with an open mind. I'm always learning. Uh, I mean, uh, yesterday, you know, I was, I was learning from Mike Ahmed, Ron Yeo from Singapore, Jean Jamane from Japan, Takashi Ida from Brazil. We were in this talk with an open mind, trying to learn from each other. I think that's the real secret, you know, to be open-minded, to be constantly learning, uh, learning, and and always try to, you know, to stay kind of. It's it's it's. it's I love the quote of Steve Jobs. Maybe you know it's a cliche, but it's stay hungry and stay foolish. You know. You just need to be constantly learning. Such a good one, Evo, and I totally agree. And the other aspect is it's fun, right? So I look forward to seeing you on the next part of this journey. Bye. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to. I'm here with Diane Webster. Thanks, Di, so much for joining me on the pod today. Could you please describe yourself for our listeners, both professionally and personally? Sure. So I started ophthalmology training at the Iron Ear Hospital back in 1982 and did my training at the Iron Ear. And then following my completion of training, I went to Queensland to practice. So I practiced in Brisbane for 10 years. And during that time, I was traveling up to Mackay in regional Queensland weekly to um perform cataract surgery and and see patients and I had very busy practices in both Brisbane and Mackay. I built day surgeries there and did a lot of operating. I had about five other ophthalmologists working with me and together we'd perform about 5,000 cataract surgeries a year. 
So over a 10 to 12 year period, was very busy. And then I was full-time in a regional area in Mackay for three years before returning to Melbourne. Uh, That was 18 years ago. And I've been working at the Iron Ear Hospital over that time and very interested in teaching trainees cataract surgery and working with trainees in ophthalmology and also consultants. Uh, I'm very interested in developing new techniques and um, what it takes to adopt new techniques and techniques that are more efficient and effective in our practice of cataract surgery. I also did refractive surgery for about 10 years, but then decided to go back to cataract surgery as I found that was the most rewarding part of ophthalmology. And also uh, I'm a mother and of three children, so I've combined my ophthalmology career with uh, my private life sometimes successfully, sometimes not. I've had a lot of injury on my back and neck because of slit lamp use, mainly with laser and poor posture. And so uh, I've had to cut back on the amount of practice that I can do now, but I love to devote my time to teaching. And I'm very excited about the whole concept of Gen I being um, a vehicle whereby we can promulgate ideas um, about how we practice ophthalmology, particularly in relation to anterior segment surgery. Thanks so much, Di. That's a lot of cataract experience that you have. I, mean, I, I think that you would have done tens of thousands of cataract surgeries, right? That's right. Yes, definitely more than 35,000 yeah. cases. And to have your experience teaching the trainees at the INEA is amazing. I know that we really value your experience there. Um, but I, I was wondering, um, as such an experienced cataract surgeon, what value do you see comes from GenI and the format that we use? Well, I think what attracts people to the idea of GenI is the one-on-one teaching because what I found throughout my career is that you can learn a lot from reading journals and going to lectures and listening to lectures in meetings. But a lot of the really valuable tips that you get in ophthalmology are when you talk to people one-on-one at international meetings and national meetings, find out what people are really doing and what actually works. Because often you can hear a presenter present a technique and it sounds like it would be very good. But then when you do it in your own practice, you think, well, I don't think it's really as effective as that person has said it is, even when they've done clinical trials and so on regarding it. And also, unfortunately, in cataract surgery clinical trials, we can't really do that to um, prove whether a technique's going to be good or not. It's, it's very difficult to do that in real life. So I find the value of Gen I is it's all about one-on-one teaching of the heuristics of cataract surgery. And these are the tips that make surgeons really good at what they do. It's ways of doing things that are more efficient, more effective, and that make us better surgeons. So it's that one-on-one teaching, and do you I think. think. Do I, yeah, thanks. And do you think that that's why... Well, part of the reason why so many experienced surgeons came to Gen I last year, we didn't just have trainees and junior consultants. We had a lot of experienced cataract surgeons there. And Do you think that they appreciate that one-on-one teaching as well? I think they do. And that ability, that time to talk with colleagues 
because sharing ideas is another way that we we really learn and progress. So true, isn't it? And that peer-to-peer learning has been really important for me throughout my career as well. And it's not just, of course, it's not just at educational events like Gen I, it's just in day-to-day practice. And it can be why it's good to work in big institutions rather than solo private practice sometimes because you get to have those interactions and discussions all the time. Um, But you're right, we can become stuck in our ways, can't we? And I think a big part of that is safety because we don't want to try something that's new and outrageous if we're not sure how it's going to go because we don't have that permission to fail in ophthalmology. So if we can have a safe environment, like an educational format such as Gen I, and have that one-to-one teaching or peer-to-peer learning between different attendees, it does give us that chance, doesn't it, to, to try something new and see if we really want to pursue that for our patients. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why we found with the first Gen I why there were quite a few surgeons that really enjoyed trying chopping with the simulator, for instance, because there was, there was not going to be any consequences of failure um, with the practicing with the simulator. And I, I got a lot of very good feedback that surgeons love to try it and they would be more willing to try it with patients if they could be assured that they weren't going to have a complication. But it's the most dreaded thing for all of us to have a serious complication from our surgery. And it's very hard to recover from that and to to keep on going and keep on operating once you've had a a major complication. And I think that has driven a lot of my decision-making with my surgery that I have always looked over the years to find a way to perform cataract surgery so that there's an absolutely minimal chance that there will be a complication from the, the surgery. And that that is exactly what holds us back a lot of the time from trying new techniques because we don't want to cause an adverse event uh, for our patients. So Di, you were going to lead a couple of great discussions at GenI 2020, but of course uh, we've cancelled the live version of that event. Um, One of those stations was a community lab where peers would come together to discuss a problem and the problem we were going to give them was a subluxed IOL. Then they were going to get together to figure out a number of potential solutions agree on a single mode of action and then demonstrate and teach that technique to each other in a lab environment. So the technique would have been um, some type of IOL exchange. Um, Why do you think it's important for us to discuss problems like that together rather than considering them alone? Well, I think that would have been a very interesting station and hopefully we can still do it in Gen I 2021 because IOL exchange is still a very topical uh, and interesting dilemma for us because so many people do it so many different ways. And that's the interesting thing because I think there's a lot of um, pros and cons of the different ways that people do it. But still, many surgeons get into problems uh, and it's not uncommon that we see it that particularly for something like IOL exchange because it's not only subluxed IOLs. When people are loading IOLs or when they're injecting IOLs, they can 
be injected with a crack in the optic or damage to the haptic and they have to remove them at the time of the operation and they can be removed well or they can be removed quite badly and it can either extend the operation by five or ten minutes or by 45 minutes depending on what the surgeon does next when this happens. So this is a very valuable lab to do and we really welcome discussion from all different um, points of view of surgeons of what has worked for them and what hasn't worked. And I think that that is so good if we can get together and discuss it because I think we'll learn so much. I know that this topic has been discussed in journals and people have put their point of view in journals, but it's getting the feedback from others when you mention the way you would do something and whether or why they think that that doesn't work or if it does work, why it works, what particular instruments they use, exactly how they do it. All of these very um, important, they seem like very tiny differences, but they can make a huge difference in ophthalmology. They certainly can. Thanks, Di. And you're right, we should save that up for 2021 and, and run that station or similar in the future. Um, the other station that you were going to run was about operating under topical anesthesia. And we don't need to go into specifics of that decision, but it's another thing we can learn from each other, right? And a discussion-based format is really good when we're talking about those big changes in our practice. Yes, yes, I totally agree with that because topical is another thing that I think quite a few surgeons would consider changing to topical because they can see the value that it ends up that you don't have the complications of block anesthesia by doing topical. But again, surgeons want to be safe and a lot of them have the perception or the view that topical anesthesia is not as safe in their hands doing cataract surgery as it would be if they had a block and they feel like they're more likely to have a complication if they did topical anesthesia. So it is great to tease all of these aspects out and also to communicate the ideas because certainly in my hands, I feel I'm much safer doing topical anesthesia than I am doing cataract surgery under a block. And because I've done topical anesthesia for many, many years and and thousands of cases, but I know that when I was first starting topical anesthesia, I was scared myself. I really thought, oh, what if the eye is moving while I'm doing topical anesthesia and I'll have a complication because of eye movement? So I thought the only way that I could do topical anesthesia was to go and visit at least three other surgeons that were routinely doing cataract surgery under topical anesthesia and actually sat in with them during their surgery so I could ask them specifically what were the tips, what were the heuristics, what were the important points that they took on board to be able to do topical anesthesia cataract surgery totally safely and as safe if not more safe than under block anesthesia. And when I I found out those tips and they were just very simple things but it was a change, a shift in my thinking and so then I could go back to my own day surgery and and start doing topical anesthesia and it was actually much easier than I thought and it's not a matter of whether you're a fantastic surgeon or whether you're just the average surgeon everyone 
can take these ideas on board and be a good um, and effective and safe ophthalmic surgeon doing topical anesthesia. And so that's what I'm excited about with trying to um, teach these ideas and discuss these ideas and share them so that we can tease out the objections that people have to topical anesthesia. And that happens from meetings like we are having with Gen I of being able to discuss this between peers, the peer-to-peer learning, as you said, so important. That brings up so many interesting and important points, Diane. One of them is that in my hands or in your hands uh, discussion because that's a good example. We know that the evidence is clear in the literature that topical anaesthesia is as safe for cataract surgery as regional anaesthesia. We, we know that the complications are not increased. But many of us do have that perception, and especially when we start out, that it might not be as safe, and that's a risk that we don't want to take on a personal level for ourselves and our patients. Um, and I love that you brought up the peer-to-peer learning in theatre because you know, I, I think that's something that we really don't do enough of in surgery. And you know, I know I've done it. I've gone in to watch um, many cataract and corneal surgeons and vice versa, had, had them come into my theatre and to even ask each other for feedback and encouragement and advice is a really good thing to do no matter what level we're at um, of our careers you know, it would be done in every other industry, but I think that we underdo that in surgery. Um, so, so I love that you brought that up. Thank you. Mm. Oh, I totally agree, Jackie, that I really think the concept of a coach is very important and that we shouldn't think that because we've been doing um, ophthalmic surgery for many years that we don't need, we all need a coach. Because I think it's the, the mindset of always thinking, that we can improve on how we're doing things at the moment. And that's the the great love that we all have for ophthalmology because we know that we're always striving to improve and it's it's always possible to. Uh, so we never get bored or um, with our surgery because there's always ways that we can do it better. Exactly what I love about it too, Di, and I'm sure that's why you've managed to do 35,000 cataract surgeries and still be this enthusiastic about it. So thank you very much for talking to me. I've really enjoyed that chat and I look forward to working with you further on Gen I. Thanks very much, Jackie. So I'm here with Rahul Chakrabarti, fellow ophthalmologist and education enthusiast. Rahul, thanks a lot for joining me. Could you tell me a little about yourself, both professionally and personally? So my name is Rahul Chakrabarti. Uh, I'm an ophthalmologist based in Melbourne, Australia. I have uh, an interest in paediatric ophthalmology, neuro-ophthalmology and adult and paediatric strabismus. Um, I'm also uh, very much interested in uh, surgical education, um, which has led me along the path to being involved with Gen I. And it's something that I find very enriching and rewarding. And I also, outside of work, uh, have a few hobbies, um, including astronomy. Uh, I have a passion for tennis. And I also have two young children who keep me on my toes. So, Rahul, you are a really important faculty member of Gen I, and you've been there from the start. 
Can you tell me from your perspective what GenEye is? So I'm very privileged to have been involved um, in GenEye and I thank you for all uh, your hard work in, in establishing and devoting uh, effort into establishing this. To me, um, going from a trainee to a consultant, GenEye is a, is a philosophy of thinking, uh, practicing and teaching, um, not only surgery, but um, approaching uh, the whole pr- discipline of ophthalmology and how we balance it between um, being professionals as well as um, outside of work. Uh, it's a way of uh, life and also it's a way to, um, to bring together like-minded individuals within our discipline. Surgery has really evolved in the you know, last, particularly the last 20 years, but we, since the origins of surgery, which was the Halstedian concepts of approaching surgical training, so the, the see one, do one, teach one, and you had the, the grey-haired professor and, and that's the way uh, you were to do your technique. I think now we've moved to a more uh, in-depth understanding of what it to, means to become a surgeon. What we are, are we aspiring to be? And why is surgical, uh, be, being a surgeon or becoming an expert, so difficult to define? Um, we've got bought, we've got analogies from um, corporate fields uh, where people have coaches, we have competitions. But surgery uh, is not like that. And something that uh, really uh, challenges uh, us both as, as doctors, but also it becomes very personal. And it's, I'm fascinated by the work of Erickson, who has devoted his life to the understanding of expertise theories and his understanding of what it is to be an expert and how somebody goes from being competent to being an expert. And just because you are competent with years of experience still doesn't make you an expert. And Erickson implores us all to become better than what we are and constantly try, aspire or strive to do better. And this is a really interesting mindset. And to me, that's what is at the core of Gen I, is not to be uh, or achieve a competent mediocrity for the rest of our careers. How do we constantly try and improve? It might be a, a mental component. It might be ergonomics. It might be your behavior. But ultimately, all of these factors, in addition to purely motor skill of doing a, a technique of surgery, all of these factors contribute to improved outcomes. Um, so that's what, to me, Gen I, the core of Gen I is. is about talking about how to be better and how can we strive to be better and putting little things in place every week, every operating list, and having this concept of a community of practice, which is like-minded individuals who are passionate about something. With us, it's cataract surgery, but it could be any aspect of a surgical um, or medical field um, or any particular aspect of of life which involves a, a skill. And being open to feedback, being open to improvement, uh, and then seeing whether that's actually you know, what your changes that you've put in actually benefit. I agree, Rahul. And those sports analogies are really interesting. You don't see a high-level sports person without a coach or who's not trying to improve every single day. They're training and they're out there trying to get better and better no matter how good they are already, right? That's one of the things that we're trying to achieve through Gen I, that level of high performance. Yeah, and that's fascinating because, as I mentioned earlier, I love my tennis. Um, I lot, love my live sport. I think there's a lot of things we can learn from watching uh, athletes do what they do. And 
what resonates with me is Roger Federer, who has a coach. Now, Roger Federer is arguably the greatest men's tennis player of all time. He doesn't need somebody to teach him how to serve or to hit a forehand or an elegant backhand down the line. What he's looking at is how can he make himself better. So he's not happy being the number one or two tennis player in the world, but he uh, he's still trying to improve and achieve the absolute maximum out of himself. And so that's why he has a coach. He has a coach who can critique his his moves, who can look at feedback, um, look at footage and give him feedback. And that's the idea of uh, of coaching is to have somebody who is personal, uh, who can give objective feedback and also suggestions for, for improvement. And then you act on that and, uh, and the cycle uh, continues. And there's no reason why we as ophthalmologists uh, and as ophthalmic surgeons um, shouldn't all be having a coach, irrespective of how experienced you are. Thanks a lot, Rahul. That was really great to talk to you. And I love your take on Gen I. I look forward to talking to you a bit more through this podcast series. I loved speaking to Rahul, Dai and Evo about Gen I. As you can hear, we're all super into this concept that we've developed. I'm looking forward to also introducing you to the rest of the Gen I team through this podcast. They're a positive group. Their thought-provoking conversations always inspire me, and I hope they'll do the same for you. Over the next episodes, we hope to give you some tools to help you do better as cataract surgeons, or as those associated with cataract surgery. We really believe that to perform at a high level in surgery, we need to look after ourselves and each other before we can even consider looking after our patients to the level that's required. Next week, I will talk more with Rahul as we delve into the important aspects of returning to surgery after a break. Rahul and I originally started planning a program for this last year, thinking that it might be useful for some of our trainees or junior consultants as they return to operating after a short break maybe parental leave, holiday or conference. Little did we know that we would all be taking an enforced break in 2020. So we've stepped up the program ready to implement post-COVID. I look forward to discussing some of the mind and technical skills worth considering on return. Please subscribe to this podcast so that we can continue to produce episodes that are actually quite a lot of fun. Also, if you have time, check out our website, geni.org.au.